podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. It's September 21, 2019, and this month is quickly closing. Uh, This year is going to end within the next three months, and it's going to be year 2020. Let's discuss what we've done for the month, how we've done, how we've um, done for the month and the year. Okay, for September, I'd have to say that this has been the worst month because from January till September, only this month did we make recommendations that immediately once recommended was already a loser. Which ones were these? Uh, Slack and Pager Duty, we were wrong here. We were not wrong in the fundamentals. They were both beating earnings and estimates. However, this month, the market didn't like that beat enough. Meaning, you could beat your earnings, you could beat your estimates, but if your growth is going to slow down by next year, as is the case for Slack, they reported a possible 50% growth for next year outlook instead of 100%, and the market punished them aggressively by down 20% after earnings report. So, yes, we've made a mistake on Slack, uh, but do I like the company fundamentally? I still do. I still think that Stuart Butterfield, as a CEO, he's been the co-founder of Flickr. Kyle Henderson is also the CTO. They have proven in the last five years that they have founded this company. Yes, it's such a young company. It was uh, directly listed, meaning they didn't ask for money through the IPO. They were just listed. They have $800 million in cash. That cash came from their own uh, VCs in the past. And they still have monthly revenue cash flows. And in a year, they're already locking about $500 million annual revenue. Slack is not expected to earn money yet as they are still deploying a lot of um, expenses because they are building a work collaboration platform solution for enterprises, big and small, to make work efficient. Productivity in apps is doing so well. Uh, They've done 1,500 inside integrated. But the beauty of this company is that 450,000 other third-party integrations have not been done by Slack, but by the users themselves. The reason why I like Slack is because of those integrations. It's kind of like if you were the Apple App Store, you could probably make 50 apps, 100 apps. But what made the Apple App Store or the Google App Store wonderful was because it opened up creativity for all the developers to use it 
to make a, an app and put it in the store. In Slack's case, you could integrate your company for making a Stripe payment, booking a Uber ride, and so forth, even ordering a Shake Shack burger. So the ability to integrate makes Slack the heart of a lot of work systems. And to me, Slack passes that Thanos test. The Thanos test is the snap test when wherein if you snap your fingers and that company is gone, would a lot of people be affected? Yes, there will be a lot of people affected. And although there's just around 30 million users so far, I see this an opportunity because those 13 million users can become 50 million users someday. Was the market cap too high too soon? To me, it's all relative because a lot of high SaaS names, software as a service names from the likes of Zoom video communications are trading more than 30 times price to sales. Zoom is trading at about 50 times price to sales, even as high as 60 times price to sales. I'm not saying that this will be the case for Slack, given that there's another threat meaning Microsoft Teams, which is also a work collaboration platform, has been picking up and has been growing their market share because all Office 365 employees are being given, all clients of Microsoft are being given Microsoft Teams for them to try it out. And this is a risk for Slack in growing. This is like if you're Netflix, and Disney streaming is there competing with you. Although you have a great product, there's also a likelihood that your growth will be slower. And that, lead, that leads us to our next pick, which was Netflix, which is currently a loser. Okay, Netflix, I've argued this month, knowing that next month's earnings, October 16th, is going to be very tricky. I knew that. That's why I said it's a proposition. When I make a proposition, it could be a 3% wave, it could be a 2% wave, but I'm fine. I know that currently people are saying that even CEO Hastings attested that the competition is fierce. You've got Disney streaming, you've got Apple TV streaming, CNBC has Peacock that's the name of their streaming app. You've got AT&T's HBO Max. Yes, you've got competition all over. But to my, in my view, once you're already a Netflix subscriber, there is a huge sticky ecosystem and the fact that Netflix has great content. I choose with the data, I'm aware that Netflix has dropped $100 high to current price of $270. That's $110, and I believe that the downside of Netflix would be $220. The upside could be $350 or $380. People have to see that the business model long-term of Netflix is intact, which is why, yes, it's a loser this month, but 
we, or rather it depends on you, but since I really wear the hat of investing in any position that I give, I'm going to hold on to it. I will watch what happens in October. If they fail, which they could. Look, I'm open to being wrong. If they fail next month on the earnings quarter, I believe that this will go to $220, depending how bad they fail. But if they don't fail, of course it's going to break above $300 and still be on its path to going $400. To me, the lineups and the shows and the strategies of the CEO retasting is correct. They are doubling down on several blockbuster hits and they're minimizing any show that is not hitting a certain data algorithm. So, to me, the reality is that $270 to $220, if it does happen in October, a month before Disney Streaming's November 12 launch, and a few months before the spring 2020's HBO Max and CNBC Peacock, Comcast, I mean, Comcast Peacock. To me, um, whatever it is that the competitors do, as a subscriber and as customer reviews and data has said, the winner in the streaming war will be your leader. Disney wins, and Netflix will win in the long term. Question is, do you have more than three years to wait to me, as long as you've done your weight and risk control, you may hold on. And because before we even buy, we have already stated that each idea is allocated 3% or 5%. To me, yes, I can hold even if I do not know the future. We remember the process and the edge of this stock picking is also in how we allocate our risk. We spread our ideas in several names so that if we are wrong with Netflix, if we are wrong with Max, we should not be afraid that these mistakes will hurt us but will not entail us. They will not kill us and they will not stop us from investing in great companies. What else have we been wrong this month? Wow, I've been wrong with Roku. Roku, I said, was a great business but not a great valuation. I attest that it is not a great valuation. And because so many bears are saying that it is not a great valuation, some people are saying that it should fall 50% down low to as much as $60. Now look. I wouldn't know the future. I wouldn't know what price is cheap for people to say that, hey, this is way expensive, this is way cheap. Because for a company that's not earning money, and I attest, I am aware, that Roku is not, is not making money yet. However, I've also pointed out the great reasons why Roku is a company that you should watch. Because digital advertising, will support companies. Note that 
Facebook's business is digital advertising. It's got 2.7 billion people in the platform. Roku only has 30 million. Then again, how many people do you think would not play, would not pay for $13 a month and they would rather watch their shows even if it's ad supported? How many people would have subscription fatigue such that they would be willing to see over the top advertising? I surmise a lot of people and a lot of people would buy smart TVs and connected TV devices. Which brings me to my next idea. I said buy Telaria. So far, Telaria has not been mentioned by any brokerage firm as a downgrade, and thus Telaria hasn't fallen. But I believe that this September month, the drops are coming from people saying that these great high-quality names are just too fast, too soon. They say that they like the company's business, but it's too expensive. Am I afraid of Facebook's Portal TV, which is trying to get a market share away from Roku? To me, Facebook wants to make a lot of money, and they are a digital advertising platform. If you can also watch your shows on Facebook's Portal TV, you may do so. However, the beauty here is that Roku is already the number one. It's already leading, just as Netflix is already number one. So what's happening now is that Netflix, Roku are both being hit because they're the leaders in the industry. Because so far, people prefer Roku versus Amazon. People prefer Roku versus I surmise versus Comcast. Nobody's gonna buy that Comcast portal even if it's zero cost. Because you're gonna watch Comcast shows there. Whereas Roku allows you to watch more than ten thousand channels. Roku has partnerships on all the TVs. You buy a TV from Sony, from Hisense, from TCL, guess what? You've got a Roku app without even thinking because it's all there. It's already device connected. Whether these competitive problems will turn out to be true or just false, you really need time. You really need time. And to me, the only reason why you can know how to hold is because the weight on any single idea should not be more than 5%. Because if you have five mistakes times 5%, that's a 25% exposure. And I understand getting five marks wrong for a single month, which were Slack, Pinterest Duty, Netflix, Roku. What's the other mistake? What else? What else did I, what, what, what else was I wrong? Netflix, Roku, Slack, Pager Duty. Is there anything? Oh, Sillings. Okay, okay. 
selling is quite a uh, headline. It wasn't um, sold down because of any fundamental company-specific reasons. Silence is so good that their clients are Samsung, Huawei, and every time there's a Chinese trade war, Silinx is always the one that's being blamed for losses. And that's fine because Silinx does have 10% of their revenues dependent on Huawei. So every time the market foresees that there will be that Huawei trade ban and so forth, they will penalize ceilings and uh, and ceilings was down six percent yesterday. But ceilings makes money. Ceilings deploys five G. How could you have a five G future? Ceilings um, supplies the likes of Tesla as well, just as Nvidia supplies the likes of Tesla as well. That's why um, Nvidia and ceilings were both slightly down last night. Silinx is down 6%. NVIDIA also down um, from a peak of 184 for the week. It's down to $172. I am not bearish about these calls. And even if I don't know the future, I would not have regretted giving the picks nor the recommendation. Because it is in this fundamental process that we chose the same winners that we've got. This kind of process of thinking about the business of the company allowed us to look at companies such as, well, we said we like Beyond Meat, and now we're looking at companies that benefit on the trend, which is Kellogg, with their incognito. Uh, we like Yum China because we also saw how strong Starbucks Shake Shack is, seeing how the growth in China is just so strong, helping us find winners like Pintuotuo and JD.com. Sometimes this line of thinking gives us winners, gives us losers, but as long as the line of thinking and the process that we make our judgment is like telling me, what if you have a system it will give you a 50% hit ratio or 75% hit ratio, but your winners will far outpace your losers anyway. Would you stick to that system even if there will be losers along the way? To me, you know, this system has an edge, but this is not a foolproof system. So all I can do is, if I have a loser, all I do is, we can't add on to our losers. If we will add on, it will have to be adding on our winners. Which is why this month, we were proven right in Huya. We were proven right with Zynga. We were proven a lot of rights with our video game picks. All of our video game picks are 100% correct. Which makes me only add more your winners will not have winners every single day every single month but when we do what do we do we keep our winners we add our winners was roku a winner well yes it's just that sometimes when you have a winner and it's winning so much a company would get downgraded and fast you are expensive 
and so you couldn't grow to this valuation anymore. To me, maybe there's an entry point. We will have to wait for that. Maybe it's another six months from now. Maybe it's 12 months from now. So when there's good news again, these companies will bounce back. Winners bounce back. But while they're falling, do not even think about averaging down. I'm, I'm telling you that's the worst mistake to do. Do not compound a mistake with another mistake. It's already a mistake. Do not add. Sure, maybe it will bounce. Shocked. I should have bought this 108 because tomorrow is already 120. It's not 90 bucks. I do not know. What if another analyst downgrades Roku? It falls another day. And what if an analyst upgrades Roku and fights the bear? It's also possible. But here's the thing. We are not trading. We are investing. Once you invest a 5% or a 2% or a 3% stake, that's it. You do not add unless it's a winner. And because currently it's a loser, you do not add. You just watch and let it be. Now, some people I know, they have a strict stop-loss rule. And because Roku has been falling precipitously this week, maybe their stops got hit. Maybe even their winners, their stops got hit. Maybe even the guy who had Roku at $50 or $40 had his stop loss hit. Because $175 went $108 in just a month. In fact, $150 is back to $108 in just three days. Yeah, it was that bad. Wow. Some people will get scared with that type of drop. And I don't mind. I understand some people will get so scared about the stock market because of how quickly Roku would fall. But not all stocks are the same. Roku went 100 to 175 also in just less than a month. So that stock from 100 to 175, that was all fraud. High valuation. We also acknowledge that it is high valuation. However, if that high-quality company is earning a billion dollars in over-the-top advertising, specifically $1.2 billion, this company will grow that $1.2 billion to possibly $2 billion someday. And once it does, it grows to that high valuation. It has a passive profitability, it has revenue growth, and to me, we choose stocks for you. You might be better with your timing, you might be even better with your risk control. Whatever it is, well, this is a stock picking channel. So, I pick stocks for you, some stock picks I pick would be wrong. And this is a case wherein Fundamentally, I would not change my pace. I still agree that Roku has a good fundamental reason to own, not to rent, 
to own, to own it. However, since I suck in my timing, maybe you could get it at $70. Maybe you could get it cheaper. So why don't you just wait? Maybe you can get it cheaper. What else was I wrong? Okay, fillings. I said 100 bucks was the support, but it broke down this week, isn't it? Fillings went $97. Why? Because China and U.S. are still picking fights. And people are scared that fillings will not be able to sell more of their chips to China, which will impact their revenues. That's a valid argument. However, Stillings does not rely only in China. They don't. They have so many clients. But at least, I agree, China is big. Therefore, losing one significant client entails a price drop. But, again, where is the secular trend of Stillings? It's in their chips. There are chips which are programmable. It's ACAP, ACAP. The ACAP chips will allow these cars to talk to each other. And that is something that the future holds. People are saying that if 5G is the future, if Internet of Things is the future, if your refrigerator once commanded by Siri to buy those groceries for the future, they will order it through the app, then you could see the link has a future. Maybe that future is a year from now. Maybe that future is two years from now. So once you invest, you should have a mindset that you know what you're doing, you know what you're buying. Every recommendation I give of course, I know what the company does. And I'm actually sometimes surprised when the companies rise more. And I'm also surprised when the companies fail. However, you know, because I'm open to knowing that there will be failures along the way, there will be mistakes, I would look foolish in front of you for recommending those losers today. Yes, I don't mind telling you that, yes, I've chosen some losers, right? It's fine. You'll never win in every single battle. But how will this play out? Well, you see, investing is about three years. You've got 12 quarters. If you've invested $1,000 for that quarter in that idea, you actually have $12,000 to invest. But will you put the next $1,000 next quarter there? No, because it's a loser. Therefore, that extra $11,000 in the future, which you will invest, will not go to that loser. It will go to the other winner. Therefore, over time, until that loser proves that he's not a loser, that's the only time will add over time. Your winners will grow. Your losers will be lessened over time. It will be minimized, and it will be minimized. Now, maybe your question is, 
since I'm gonna minimize it anyway, why don't I, why don't I just cut it now? Why don't I just set it, uh, you know, set it, forget it, cut it? It depends. Yes, you may. If you bought it, then the next day it's time, you drop it, that's cool, it's fine. But to me, as I said, I'm a bad trader. That's why I'd rather have 30 names, 35 names. That means I still have these losers. And maybe these losers will bleed to death. Maybe they'll go 40 down, 50% down. Maybe Roku drops further, or maybe not. Maybe Netflix falls further, or maybe not. But, see, this is the reason why I'm not a trader. And I already told that. I just invest, and I just put that 3% weight. So far, those five losers comprise, let me count it. I have, hmm, 100, 240, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, 230, approximately, was it 15%? Yeah, around that. So I'd have lost around 3% from the portfolio out of these five losers. I can live with that. Maybe you can't. So that's a risk tolerance that I allow. Those five losers are my weak points, and I ensure that my winners are being tightly stopped now because if the market doesn't want some high PE names, what happens to the companies I have which are high PE? As I said, I have Elastic. And Elastic is a high PE name. Elastic is a competitor of Datadog, which went IPO recently, popped. You know, they wanted to hit an IPO of $14 and they managed to get $27. But even during IPO debut, this even hit $40. And of course, it fell back to $33. And who knows, maybe it goes below 27 and goes down to about $14, where they initially wanted to make an IPO, but the market demand was so high that they were able to sell it higher. Because the demand for companies like Datadog is so strong, I surmise that that's the reason why people bid up Elastic and Splunk. So as long as Datadog is high, then Elastic is going to be high. Then again, because of the market risks, I am thinking that maybe I can trim Elastic because even if I have a winner, and look, NVIDIA was a winner, but NVIDIA also fell this week because of that Chinese trade war, which was unrelated at all to the business of NVIDIA, if you think about it. But if semiconductors are falling as well, then NVIDIA is getting hit somehow. So you'll notice that 
the month of September, there are less winners because it's the entire market shifting towards value. Because what happened this month? AT&T, which was a telecom, went up more than 10% this month. We have it. That's why I still keep AT&T. The market is adding to the low PE names. Kroger is strong. CVS Health is strong. I'm keeping my winners. Sometimes my refusal to um, sell my losers, those five ones that I mentioned a while ago, is also a trait that I never sell my winners. And the thing is, in the market, if you never sell your winners, you're actually going to turn off very good in the end. Because what the winners do, they continue winning. If you never sell your winners, even if you never sell your losers, remember this. The maximum downside of your loser is 100%. While the maximum upside of your winners can go infinity. If I wait three to five years, my view is that I will be able to find five to 10x names. It's not the one x move. It's more than that. Is Roku a 10x name? To me, yes. So, yeah, I know it sucks, but yes, I have Roku. I got in 130 bucks. This analyst tells the world that it's worth 60 bucks, then I lose 20% in a single day, right? It went 100 days. I still have it. So, Nikki is such a bad trader. Yes, I admit. I should have sold it, right? And then buy back. Sell 129, 28. Lose a little. I wouldn't really know the bottom. What if I buy 108 and tomorrow it's 90? So it's a never-ending. I don't know. So, but what I do know is I like the company. So let it be. I have 3% weight and that's it. I just think of my companies as owning them.